there, banditos. Thanks for coming back and listening to another episode of the Dollar Bin Bandits. I am Joe Marcello. I'm Warren Phillips. I'm Mike Farah. And today, on this December 16th, we are bringing you an episode with a man who knows lists. I'm talking about none other than Randall Lodowitz. Okay, now there are Christmas lists, there are grocery shopping lists, there are even you know, Billboard Top 10 Music List. Randall is the creator and curator of the DC Book of Lists. Now, this is a really cool book. If you haven't read it or if you haven't checked it out, I highly recommend you do so. It's a list of anything and everything in DC. It harkens back to characters that you have not heard of or seen from in just ages. And it's so much fun. Yeah, when you read this book... The, the time and effort he put into it to find all these facts, to uh, get them together and create these lists, it's really amazing because, as Joe said, it goes back to the very early days of DC all the way up to now, um, which is just so much work. And, and the time and detail he puts into it is really amazing. I unfortunately could not make this interview. Randall sounds like a very interesting guy. Um, I like the concept of having a book of lists. And I'm always up for, you know, trivia, which this seems to sort of fit into, and especially around DC. I wonder, hope there will be a sequel with Marvel or other uh, comics trivia and lists. Let's stop blabbering and get to it. This is Randall Lotowitz. Randall, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm uh, excited to be on. We've had um, a lot of different types of comic book people on our show writers, letterers, illustrators of various different types, but we haven't had an author write a book like that, you know, that's written a book like this before. And it's awesome. Um, how did you get into comic books? Oh, I mean, that's, let's see, uh, it's going on 30 years now. So Superman died. That's what got me into comics. Uh, I was, you know, like I was, always had an interest in superheroes, but I was never like, I'd say, you know, I, I never really actively read comic books. And I, for me, Superman was Christopher Reeve. And then uh, someone in fifth grade told me that Superman died in the comics. And I, I'm like, I have to read that. I didn't know they could do that. And then I just was hooked. And it was a floodgate of things. I mean, the, you know, I'm reading that then, you know, there's an ad in one of them saying that Batman's getting his back broken. And then, you know, character Green Lantern, who I haven't heard of before, is going crazy, and it blew my mind, and there was no looking back. That's awesome. Yeah, I, uh, that's the same event that got me into comics, and Oren and our other uh, Dollar Bin Bandit member, Mike, who's not uh, can't be with us tonight, um, they're the two that got me into it. I would read their comics and see, you know, what they were reading. So, yeah, it's the same exact event that got me into it. So. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, you know, I still have my original floppies from those. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's what I always keep going back to. It's uh, I'm very much, a, you know, a 90s comic kid. And, the, I mean, I've continued to go back. But then I discovered where my heart is. is always going to be the 90s and then the late 80s. So. Well, you came to the right podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So when did you start putting the idea together to, to do a book like this? I mean, the, so for so much in my life, I just, I'm kind of in the right place at the right time. And this was, 
something where, um, you know, I, I've done a few other projects for DC um, in, in the same realm, licensed publishing. And uh, so this, this editor at this company running press reached out to me because she was recommended to me. And she said, we're toying with this idea called, you know, it would be called like the DC comics book of lists. And we don't know necessarily what it would be, but what would you think it would be? And I'm like, all right. And I put together a proposal and <laughs> very little change from that proposal to the finished book. It was just, and I mean, I, I've, uh, I'm a lot I'm proud of with this book. I wound up having such a great experience working with this company and with this particular editor that when it was done, I, I remembered I, I liked making books um, up to this point. I was uh, uh, in sales and marketing and publishing for most of my career, but I missed the editorial side. So I just kind of did the whole like pandemic quit thing and uh, went and <laughs> became a book editor at this company because wow. of the experience I had working with them. But uh, well, anyways, long way of saying is they asked me what I thought a, a DC book of lists would be. And I was like, well, it's gotta be silly and it's gotta be funny. Um, and it's just gotta be all over the place. And, you know, like I, I mean, my initial pitch was like who trained Batman, what suicide squad members died on missions, uh, explaining the Legion continuities and then just going from there. And then, and we just kept working on it and they gave me a green light. So how do you do research for something like this? Because this is, uh, this covers just decades. I mean, everything is in here, uh, even up to stuff that happened last year. Oh, yeah. Um, it's like, I, I read this and it reminded me of like the, the who's who in the DC universe or like the secret files, um, issues that would come out. Um, but it's almost like that was very character driven, which this is obviously, but this is like more in like detail about, it's like a reference material. Like I can, I will use this in the future for stuff and I will be called a nerd for it, but that's totally fine. Um, how do you even start with something like this? Uh, I mean, geez. well, first of all, you know, like I took a great inspiration from uh, who's who, and you know, I see it behind you on the shelf at the Omni, and like I definitely, I wanted the same color scheme, <laughs> like I wanted the <laughs> the blue and yellow. I, I thought it was like it was my idea to even make this the same trim size as a as a comic book, um, but uh, I don't know. I so. Also, speaking of pandemic stuff, I got the green light to write this and the way things work in licensed publishing. And I don't mind sharing this because it is it's we you wait and wait and wait till you get a green light then you get a green light and you have to deliver right away. And so I had three months to write and research this and it happened to be the first three months of the pandemic. So it was fun. Uh, I didn't sleep like at all because I had my nine to five and a family and then somehow did this. But the logistics of it, I, I went to Who's Who. I went to those secret files. I love those books so much. I utilized every single online resource I could find. You know, like the DC uh, fandom wiki is tremendously helpful in how they categorize things. And, you know, just using that, using Comic Vine, uh, I was buying every sort of reference book that's been put out. Either, you know, DK puts out a bunch of great DC licensed books. There's... 
mean, there's a whole book just on gorillas and comic books I bought just for my uh, gorilla entry. And yeah. then it just came down to kind of just figuring out how to curate it. Cause I mean, as much as I wanted to, like it could never be everything. Like if <laughs> there's a whole book about comic book gorillas, so I couldn't have every DC comics gorilla in my book of lists, uh, but I wanted to get the, the ones that stood out and, then it was just kind of the joy of discovery. Like, well, how am I going to organize this? Cause it just can't just be a list. And so then it's like, okay, well, normal gorillas, space gorillas, gorillas with human intelligence. And then, all, and when you start to see all of it still sort of fits together and into nice, neat things. So yeah. Then at the end of the day, it was, so it was just happy accidents. <laughs> so That's awesome. Pulled through. And what does DC do? Like you, you know, you pitch them this, this storybook idea or, you know, this, this book and, you know, you're, you're done and you're like, okay, here, here's all the stuff I've compiled about your books. Take a look. Like, oh uh, yeah, they, they have some really talented fact checkers and, you know, like there's one person actually, who's the person who recommended me for this. He, he's sort of like their brand manager and overseeing that everything, you know, positions them in, a, in an okay light and isn't detrimental to the brand. And then there's someone else who gets into the nitty gritty and uh, you know, mistake because I haven't done something of this scope in a while. And this was also the biggest, I didn't really take notes. Uh, so then when the fact checker came back, I was, I was redoing research, trying to figure out stuff. And there were a couple of times I'm like, I cannot tell you what comic this is from, but I swear this is from a comic. You're just going to have to believe me. And other times I'm like, I don't remember where that was. Let's just delete it. <laughs> Interesting. Now, did they, uh, were there, and you don't have to answer this, but it just yeah. seems like were there a lot of changes that had to be made? Or no, there's. I mean, I feel like even I don't know. I mean, I work with these people daily because now you know now I'm the editor and I'm working with authors and you know. Um, but I don't think they'll be too mad at me for some of the stuff I share. Like uh, they didn't, you know, despite the fact that characters smoke in these comics, they didn't want mm -hmm. any pictures of certain characters smoking, and so it was no. like. That was just, you know, thing like during the art research phase where, you know, I picked out nearly all the images. Uh, we also had some in the design department pulling from just a, an available database. Um, but yeah, like, you know, I pulled an image of a character smoking. They're like, no, we don't want that. Um, but really, I mean, they're so collaborative. Like it's, it's <laughs> but people there actually really, really care. Um, it's, you know, like when you hear all these you know, worrisome things about, you know, Warner Brothers in general and everything. Uh, you know, you've got these people who've been there for like over 20 years. They care about the properties. They care, you know, they care about these characters and they're just so smart. And they, you know, like, I, I like it when they stump me and they're like, oh, go back, find that. And I'm like, or, or correct me on something. Like uh, I was, you know, again, working on a book recently as the editor and the author had something in and the the fact checker came back and they were like, I don't think that's correct. And um, but sure enough, it was, but. <laughs> well, one thing I noticed in this book, and it's, it's something that Joe's brought up in a number of times interviews and, and I'm seeing it here, but DC sure likes to reboot its history a lot. Yeah. You know, you'll start with the, the very beginning story and then this gets added and this gets changed and this and that as a fan, do you think it sort of muddies the waters a little too much that it's hard to know which one you're dealing with or, or you know, what storyline is happening? I'm, I mean, as a 30 year fan, it's like, I'm totally fine with it. And it just comes with the territory. Um, 
I definitely feel that the, in a lot of ways, it's they they're painting themselves into a corner. And I mean, I love what's been going on over the past few years. And I'm I'm probably about like six months behind in my general comic book reading, so I haven't uh, even read Dark Crisis yet. I've just you know heard some details of it. I, I mean, I, I do kind of like that it's become this additive story where like every single creator is you know putting their own mark on like this rich tapestry. Well, and it's no longer about erasing something. It's just constantly building, but it's still like, I, I can't imagine like what I'm going to recommend to someone when they come to me and they say they want to read comics. Like I, you know, I wind up going to like all-star Superman or, you know, like one-off things because it's mm-hmm. impossible to s- say dive in, but we're now sometimes I'll be like, well, flip through this book. If anything ca- catches your interest, I can like point you in the right direction. Did you ever find yourself, you know, putting information down and then realizing, oh, that just changed and have to kind of alter what you've done? Not so much with this book. Um, You know, like I was playing fast and loose a little bit. We like right up to the end, I was trying to squeeze in some infinite frontier stuff, even though it was just dropping um, as it was coming out. Uh, They were there's a little bit, I guess I'll, you know, share it here first because the book's been out for a few months and I haven't seen us talked anywhere. There's details about the Bendis Legion Dr. Fate in this book that have somehow never been in the comics, but uh, Bendis and the editor shared it with me when I was like, I'm doing an entry on the, the, you know, the legacy of Dr. Fate. Can you share anything about this character? Cause the first like six or seven issues of Legion say nothing about them. So um, like, you know, yeah, there's a little bit of, uh, Dr. Fate in there. That's actually not in a comic book, but, uh, really I'd say the, like, God, now it's been like 10 years ago, 15 years ago, I wrote the, the DC comics Fandex. It's like a, Fandex was a, a proprietary format by this company workman. It's like these die cut cards they are about like a foot tall. And the top of the card is like a the die cut shape. So, um, Fandex DC Comics, like a card, top is shaped like Batman, and you have his biography. Next card, Joker, his biography. Um, And I was doing that right around the time Brightest Day was happening, and they wouldn't confirm or deny that, like, Aquaman was coming back from the dead, Martian Manhunter was coming back from the dead, and I was like, well, how do you want me to write these? Is it's going to be dated if I like write about their deaths? And so like there were certain characters that just hedged my bets. And I'm like, I, I'm assuming Aquaman's going to be alive. So I'm going to just skip over his death. <laughs> um, and or oh, and then they were doing a Superman Secret Origin at the same time. So like like my Superman card very much was pulling from both Man of Steel and Birthright and doing a little bit of just creative mingling because why not? Um, but then like secret origin like came out. It was, it was great. They gave me the, it was like the, an unbound copy of the first issue, just like on the printer pages, uncut black and white uh, pencils of the second issue and the third issue in the script stage. And I got to cobble something together from that. And but that affected Superman, the Superman card, the lowest card, the Jimmy card. So yeah, um, fortunately in this case, no, I, I didn't have to do any serious revisions like that. I just sort of, wanted to keep my options open. I mean, automatically though, like I, you know, like I, the, the quintessence was killed off and you know, <laughs> I didn't get it to fit that in, but, <laughs> but I mean, at the end of the day, yeah, these things get dated the moment they're, they're put to print. So it's sort of trying to make it as evergreen as possible. And just knowing that it's 
there's already new lists to be made. I think I mentioned something like that in the intro. Like this is, if anything should just inspire people to do more with it. Yeah. So I'm going to actually ask you about that. Like, uh, like I mentioned, and I going out of order or, and I apologize, but it, you know, like I said, this is extraordinarily current. I mean, you cover the, uh, the stuff from last, I guess it was last year at this point, the years kind of blend together after a while, yeah. but like, you know, Perpetua and the whole, um, uh, that crisis, cause everything's a crisis now. Um, I mean, that's all really relatively new. Um, and I think even now what's going on in comics is feeding off of that. So at what point do you say, uh, okay, now, no, 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 now. Okay. I'm going to stop here. And then something happened. No, no, here. Now we're going to publish it. I mean, because, I mean, if you just wait, you're just going to keep going. I mean, yeah, I mean, new and interesting stuff happening. It's always going to happen. At the end of the day, it's sort of just, well, knowing that at some point I can't control when it's going to the printer. And, you know, I can't even, uh, you know, as the author of this, I can't control when it's done. Like when the editor says it's done, it's done. Um, I, you know, but at the same time, you just, you know, you kind of go with your gut and you feel like, yeah, there's always going to be something after Perpetua. I death metal, yeah, death metal was done at this point, but uh, Infinite Frontier was just getting started. Mm-hmm. But it was little things like I, I read in solicitations. It didn't even come from a, a you know, DC directly that you know Nubia was going to be getting her own miniseries. And so at the last minute, I'm like, I want a picture of Nubia on the Amazon page. Like it was just. And, and they accommodated it. Uh, yeah, they, so they've always were really kind of collaborative about that. Or, you know, or I took guesses and then I, I, I mean, I'm not going to say it's wrong, but my Earthbound Green Lantern entry covers, you know, the, the kid from Green Lantern Legacy, which mm-hmm. technically isn't really in continuity, but Grant Morrison made a reference to him in the Green Lantern. So I'm like, you know what? I'm making it part of this continuity and putting it in. And, you know, hopefully DC will introduce them. But if not, it's fine. Got it. Now, what is you you must have in, in your writing this a favorite list or a character or some nugget of information that you learned about? Because in the, you know, the couple of days that I was reading through this, it's like, holy cow, you know, like just the offshoots of the colors of kryptonite. Like I knew all the very basic ones, but I didn't know there were ones like in between apparently mm-hmm. like that was extraordinarily interesting. Yeah. I'm trying to think what, well, I started it and I mean, even the things that I thought I knew a lot about, like it was a joy to discover. Cause also I, I like to have my sensibilities and my sense of humor and like whatever I do, whether it's licensed or not. So yeah, in my very first like proposal for this, I'm like, we're going to have cats of the DC universe and we're going to have tattoos of the DC universe. Why? Cause I like cats and I like tattoos. So um, <laughs> there you go. you'll see that in most of my professional career, I used to write jokes for this calendar called bad cat. Like, uh, so yeah, I, I appreciated wanted- the, the tattoo section uh, yeah. list. I was like, Oh, wow. I mean, the only heartbreaking thing about that was that I, you know, we didn't have the page count to show every tattoo I wanted to show. Um, but that, oh, and then the uh, the imaginary story uh, with Jimmy with all the Superman tattoos. 
that image, <laughs> you're going to notice it's a such lesser quality. Um, DC did not have, like, you know, a file for that. And literally that was a scan I did on like my consumer sc- scanner. Oh, wow. To include that in the book. Um, That's but interesting. again, I'm like, if I get passionate about it, they'll, you know, they, they don't say, they didn't say no to too much for me when I was just trying to make it the best book possible. But uh, so I mean, I, I find myself I find myself into these like you know internet sinkholes of the, the various cats. <laughs> and, I don't know, but it always comes back to like you know I love uh, what's Pat Power Girl's cat uh, Stinky. Like it's <laughs> and I, I completely forgot like yeah, the time he almost suffocated Wally West and like so like that was like the joy of discovering. <laughs> like, oh, that's right, the cat sleeping on Wally's face. Uh, yep. That's interesting. Yeah, a couple of things that stood out to me, and one I didn't know about was you talking about the different bad vehicles, the Bat Train. Like, how was the Bat Train? <laughs> nobody noticed. Hey, we're making a locomotive with a big Batman face on the front, and somehow he's going to get it on the track somewhere, unknown to people, and use that as a way to, to stop criminals. And that's exactly why I love comics. <laughs> it doesn't matter. It's so great. You can just. <laughs> I mean, it's like, you know, Doc Brown and Back to the Future 3. They just sneak a train onto the track one night, and uh, it there it is. <laughs> yeah. The other, I mean, come on. <laughs> the whatever happened to section, because it seems like in D.C. a lot of babies are lost. In t- <laughs> <laughs> I did not. Think, oh, so that was one I was like, they're going to make me take this out. It's <laughs> kind of weird and dark, and they're going to say, no, you can't. Talk about all the babies we abandoned. <laughs> I mean, it's child after child, and you have like the pictures you have are like you know the uh, hero hugging the woman and stuff like that, and then they just kind of went on with their lives. And you know, was there any specific story from that that you wish they'd followed up on as to whatever happened to that child? Like, yeah, I wanted a Starfire's child, and if she was actually pregnant, because it was all it was was a reference of Raven assuming she was pregnant and then the next time you see starfire you know her planet's getting destroyed her husband's getting killed and there's no mention of the baby i think what, what they're secretly yeah. saying is that was a, was a lot of stress on her yeah, yeah i mean Things seriously happen. but uh so <laughs> i'm glad you enjoyed that entry yes that was definitely one. Like, <laughs> That was definitely, I'm like, there's no way. There's absolutely no way this is going to make it in the book. That and the um, the, the Wonder Woman Invisible Jet Blueprints, I just figured they would roll their eyes and say, like, <laughs> that, that's funny, but no. But then the designer went and did it. I'm like, perfect. <laughs> you got one past them. Yeah. So I'm curious, have you, I mean, you're obviously very, you're in with DC, but have you wanted to do something similar for other publishers? Uh, well, I mean, I guess I give you guys a, another scoop. There will, and but I'm not writing it. There will be a Marvel book of lists. Oh, okay. Uh, uh, details to come. It's not going to be out before 2024, um, but there will be a Marvel book of lists. So you'll see that. And instead of being the author, I'll be the editor of it. So I'll oh, be the, okay. the person... Uh, you know, who has to make sure it all comes together nicely. Wow. Um, Quite an undertaking. Yeah. um, I'm actually, I'm doing a lot as an editor with Marvel right now. We have a lot of great, exciting projects coming up. So, 
not too much I can unfortunately can name drop because they haven't been uh, announced yet. I mean, it's, but they're all like kind of products. Like if you go to like running press's website, you're going to see they have, you know, a, you know, a light up Thor's hammer. I'm saying Thor's hammer because to this day I still cannot pronounce it and I'm not going to try. Um, um, or uh, they're making a, or it's just like a, Iron Man helmet with glowing eyes and each one of these little products and they're literally like three inches tall. And then they come with a small book that has like background information on characters. And I'm doing a bunch of those with Marvel. And oh, that's cool. my and wife yeah. would be much happier if I buy those rather than the big stuff. <laughs> <laughs> they are. I mean, we do these things called large kits too, but they're still not that big. Like, so we got the like, I am excited for one large kit in particular, but that's still can't talk about that one. What can I talk about? Um, it's about future characters that haven't quite de- been debuted yet, isn't it? Oh, no, no, actually no. not. It's all established characters, no, okay. but I just feel like I, <laughs> because we haven't launched it to our sales department and it's not public facing yet, I don't no. think I can, I'm allowed to. Like Marvel might get annoyed, but there's some really good Marvel stuff coming out. So there's that. And, you know, few- I, I have to say Marvel is killing it with their products. They really are. I mean, they're killing it with their movies, and that's probably why they're, they're doing so with their products as well. But like all the tie-ins to the movies, like, you know, like you mentioned, like, you know, the Iron Man helmets or like to do like the Marvel uh, series of helmets, you know, like Ant-Man and uh, Star-Lord and Iron Man and all that. They're amazing. I wish I could buy them all. But again, uh, my, my wife will kick me out. Uh, but I do have all the Infinity Gauntlets, all three of them. So you're ahead of the curve. Yeah, my wife hates you for it. <laughs> <laughs> Is there uh, a character from uh, this book that you're going through, you saw it and you said, you know, I wish DC would take a look at this character again, or fans should really dive into some of the books that this character was in, because there's a lot more to this character than maybe people realized. Um, I'm trying to think if it's particularly in this book. Uh, no, I didn't. I put some of my favorites in there. Cause I feel like there's always more, but they're just kind of barely in there. Like creeper is a character who I just feel is so underserved and I want and I like it's, you know, if we're if we weren't on the air, I'd tell you my pitch. Like I, I don't have a huge interest in writing comics. I like reading them too much. But like I have my idea on how to make Creeper completely contemporary while also changing next to nothing from his initial origin. Um, so that is a character who just doesn't get the love. And uh, the question, who well, I'm not even sure if I even have Vic Sage in this book. Um, I wish he was getting more love. Uh, those are probably my big two. I was going to say that because I, I was about to mention the question too, because that's a, a great character, but I know because it was a Charlton creation. Yeah. A lot of those characters, the Peter Thunderbolt and, and stuff like that, kind of got pushed aside because I think, you know, they were just seen as not ours. I mean, Blue Beetle yeah. was the exception, maybe to the rule. But the right now, Peacemaker is like the, the big exception to the rule. They're, they're, they're making money off of that. Yeah. I mean, Judo Master, who is someone that you know, you really have to dig deep to, to know the Judo Master reference. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, the question is still around. It's just not in the, ser- the, the same version that it once was. Now it's Renee Montoya who is the question. But, you know, again, because I'm like six months behind, like she came back as the question, but now I heard she's commissioner and like, is oh, she really? Still do- 
is she doing question while also being commissioner? Like commissioner I'm question. curious about that, but uh, I didn't know. And, him, so yeah. and they brought Vic back from the dead in the <laughs> Lois Lane maxi series, but we haven't seen him since. So oh. I, I, neither incarnate. And I love the Renee question when she first debuted, like from 52 through like the one final crisis miniseries. Like, I, yeah, I absolutely love the yeah. Renee question as well. I'd say neither one's being, like neither one is starring in their own book, which I guess is what I would like to. But so I'm curious, like, what do you think about the state of comics? And I say that as you know, you're someone who has, as you said, a 30 year you know fan of it, but at the same time, you're working closely with these you know comic book companies. Um, it, you know, we we discussed the fact that there's a lot of reboots and crisis crises and you know a lot of large events and it, it seems like as a fan you know we're just jumping from one event to another but we're not getting back to like let's have a one really good issue where we have a you know a story arc or you know a couple of issues where there's a story arc we're just preparing for one event after another and i think we're getting a little fatigued from it what do you think about kind of the state of the comics as it is i mean i think that's it's kind of unavoidable i mean it's how they i know like you know it's people have been unhappy with like the you know when marvel was basically renumbering every 12 issues and stuff like that but mm-hmm. i mean it is such a a weird precarious industry like a I, I think part of the reason I'm drawn to it is it feels like it's an island of misfits from, you know, like between the creators and these the collectors, you know, certainly people like me. And like, we're like, I don't think it's ever going to break into the mainstream. I don't think there's ever going to be like a, a, a comic book store boom. Like there was in the nineties. Again, I think it's going to become more specialized despite everything Marvel's doing and how much Marvel has captured just the, the general pop culture. Like it's not converting into the sales of the comics anymore, but so, but the thing it functions as dysfunctional as it can be, it's functioning. Um, and I think that it's always going to be there and they're probably always going to be doing one event after another as another opportunity to, not just bring in new readers, but excite older readers who've been away for a while. And Mm -hmm. certainly, I mean, it works. Like I used to be like the world's biggest Green Lantern fan. And then I just kind of dropped off after a while. And this was even after John's brought him Hal back. And then like, uh, so I was just reading it, whatever. But then Sinestro Corps War, like that is something that got me back into the comic book stores. And I hadn't been in a store for like a year. And I just, so... Just a little, I'm a huge Green Lantern nice. fan as well. So Superman, Green Lantern are my two jams. My favorite, <clears throat> I absolutely adore uh, Jeff Johns running Green Lantern. And his last issue that he did for, you know, for Green Lantern, in my opinion, everything else that they've written afterwards is just filler because he really just encapsulated the entire series so well. I just gave you chills, but (laughs) I mean, it really, it, it, I thought it was, I thought it was just, you know, as it pertains to his arc and what everything that he brought to that character, he ended it so well. And all the characters got their, you know, their due, they got redemption. Um, And I was, I I remember I, I was at work, I read that issue 
I was at lunch and I called my wife up and I'm like, I just read this comic book. She's like, yeah. And <laughs> she was like, why are you bothering me? About this? I'm like, but it was like so great. I was like, I was so sad. And then they jumped into like, you know, Grant Morrison's run, which, you know, that's for, that's another topic. I don't want to talk about, but, um, but yeah, no, I, I, uh, I was a huge, huge fan of that as well. So. Yeah. No, that was. I mean, honestly, if Sinestro was retired after that issue and like never seen again, I would have been fine. Like that would have been like the perfect yeah. ending for him. Yeah, yeah. But so I don't know. But it's it's a cyclical industry. I mean, it's just the fact that I mean, DC leans on the the reboots and the changes in continuity. Marvel's just always a sliding scale. There, but they're both doing the same thing. And also, like, I'm not going to turn around, you know, I, I know I said it's hard to get into DC now because you never know, like, what continuities are what. But then again, like, I don't know how I could get into X-Men right now. <laughs> like, oh, I, 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 yeah, absolutely. And I, I'm a, like, my Marvel gateway was X-Men. And I've come and gone over the years, but I've completely, like, I've not kept up with or even started, like, you know, House of X and Power of X. So yeah. I'm like, this is years of story. I'm just not going to read because I don't know how to do it all. Yeah, I agree with you. And there's something you mentioned, and it just got me thinking about how the, the comic store boom is kind of gone. And, and we're all of sort of the same time generation. Yeah. And, you know, I think there's been a lot of taking shots at the speculation mark that happened in the 90s and the, the foil covers and, and this, that, and other thing. But I think what people forget and something that we experienced was the excitement of lining up to get Youngblood number one, you know, going to the store and seeing, oh, my gosh, like there's a hologram on this Spider-Man cover. Like people were the stores were packed with folks. I mean, some were there to buy, you know, 500 issues of Wildcats and now they're stuck with it. But, you know, for us as kids, it was the excitement of being with your friends and being in the store and getting these things and, and seeing this kind of change in the industry. And like you said, I just don't think kids, this generation that's coming now are ever going to feel that excitement that we had of being in a comic shop and having an event that brought so many people together. Yeah. I, they definitely won't. I, I just, it, which is sad in a way. I mean, I, I feel like they're going to adapt and the other things give them joy. Like my, I mean, my 11 year old couldn't be more different. He's, you know, obsessed with sports and like, only plays sports video games. Like I can't get him to play Mario. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I love him just the same. And, you know, like he's, he humors me with my superhero stuff and he'll walk, you know, like and we, we did all the Marvel movies together and stuff like that. And, but uh, yeah, he, he's never going to share that joy. And I, you know, at the end of the day, I just hope he has something as similar as that joy I had as a kid. But uh, yeah, I mean, it was a special time that I'm, very you know fond of looking back on and you know one more question is i know you've kind of hinted towards you've had ideas in your head about maybe doing a comic with the independent boom as it is with kickstarter you know with creator owned comics coming out for something like you does that kind of give you a little more incentive that hey you know what i don't need to go to a, a major publisher to pick me up i can put out something myself and see where it goes it's certainly appealing. Um, I honestly, I kind of wish I had just the hours in the day um, I to even explore some of that. I do think it's, you know, it lowers the barrier of entry. I mean, when I was 18, I self-published a novel and 
literally I had to print 500 copies of the book, you know, where if you want to self-publish something now, you can self-publish it on demand, you know, as it's the book exists as soon as you put it live on Amazon and then they print it when someone orders it. And there's other companies out there that do the same thing for people who don't want to support Amazon. So it's that the barrier of entry is so low. Um, but then also I feel like I, I, I'm not, I don't, I don't feel I have the platform or the audience or the community to get, have a successful Kickstarter. Like when I, you know, I back every one of Jimmy Palmiotti's Kickstarters and mm-hmm. you know, those things are funded within an hour and mm-hmm. they're awesome. And I'm so happy for him and Amanda that they're doing this their way and yeah. don't have to do it within this, you know, two company system. But it, again, I, I don't think I could ever get anywhere near to that, but I don't know. I, I'm not opposed to it. It's something that I always flirt with and come back to, but I don't know if it's, if it's in the cards for me. Cause I just, I would, at the end of the day, I think I would rather read about these characters and write about them. And, and also, well, if I was doing the self published route, I wouldn't be writing about them anyway. And then <laughs> Two, I don't know. I get distracted and want to go work on something else quickly. So, and uh, one more thing is when you're doing this book, you know, as a fan, was there ever a moment where you got to speak to someone who you were a huge fan of, and now you're talking to them to get information about this book? Uh, not in the making of it. Afterwards, uh, you know, I sign on to Twitter and I see, you know. Tom Payer make a post that Mark Wade got him a copy of the book and he thought it was so delightful and he like tagged me in it. And I'm like, Oh my God, like this guy between his, you know, writing work and his editorial work, like I'm in awe of the fact that he's like seeing this and is charmed by it. Um, so, but the, yeah, during the making of it, it's even when I do get that extra information, like, you know, I mentioned like, the Bendis uh, Legion stuff. I'm not getting it firsthand. I put in a request, someone at DC requests it from someone else and it gets back to me. So I don't have that much opportunity for, for the interaction, but this is definitely one where I've seen the response afterwards and it's been great. Or uh, then again, I had like Jerry Robinson's son upset that I didn't credit his father as like the co-creator of the Joker. And I'm like, this, I'm like, Oh crap. Sorry. (laughs) Well, I'll fix that in the reprint. Uh, so yeah. there, there's the good and the bad, but either way, these people are finding the book and it's great to be able to s- see the people who inspired me to make something like this. Uh, appreciate it. Now, I know you mentioned that you might be doing, you know, you're doing the work in the editors of Marvel book. Any other projects you're working on that, that people could be looking out for? Uh, I mean, yeah, it's like, Technically, I wasn't supposed to announce. I'm not allowed to post about it yet, but the the listings online, so you can find it. I'm doing a a kids encyclopedia tie-in book to the Flash movie that comes out next year. So it so, is coming out. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good. Fingers crossed. Uh, it's coming. It should be coming out. Oh, uh, the, okay. So the yeah, I I did that. Um, That's awesome. I'm, at this point, my job with, with it is pretty much done, but it's that, you know, if, again, maybe because of our age, like if you had like these big oversized Batman, the official movie book, but it, or Batman returns the official movie book and they looked like thick magazines. And that's what I kind of took inspiration of and in how I approached uh, this flash book. Um, where again, like I got referred to the company, they, 
they, they in this case it was even more like strict like here's the proposal uh or here's the outline you'd have to write about and then go for it and so i went yeah i went and wrote that uh, and it should be out the same day the movie comes out so as long as the movie has a pub date the book or release date the book has a pub date Keep our fingers crossed for that. Yeah. Well, if there, if there are tie-ins set to it for it, then I have faith. Yeah. That's I mean, I don't know. I saw, you know, like two months ago, like the, the licensing guys had like, you know, opportunities for Batgirl merchandise. So things can change. Oh, but, uh, oh okay. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, that was interesting to see the link. Um, yeah. Well, he's doing his but, apology tour now, so he's yeah, he'll, on the right he'll get back on track. Right. Yeah. <laughs> But I mean, it should be good. I'm looking forward to it. So, I, you know, I, I've read the script. So I think it's going to be something. And uh, I hope it comes out. <laughs> <laughs> and after that, I don't have anything. No, nothing else planned. Uh, just because I was busy. Life moved to another state, owning a house for the first time. I, I've got other stuff going on. Well, congratulations. Yeah. Be busy. Yeah. I get to, you know, we're renovating the basement now, and then I get to put up all the bookshelves with all my comics, and I can't wait. So <laughs> that's what we did. But <laughs> I just have a whole bunch of long boxes, so it's it's not pretty to look at. <laughs> I, I, I've, I've pivoted. I definitely lean towards collections and then falling into the really ridiculous habit. Um, and I'm going to call it ridiculous because I do it too much is, you know, getting stuff bound. And I know some people think that's sacrilegious because I'm destroying some of these books, but it's so much fun to make my own bound collections. Oh, wow. Wait a second. Let's take, <laughs> take a step back here. So you bought, you have uh, the regular issues bound. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Interesting. I mean, usually I do it for stuff that, you know, or when I got into it, it was for stuff that was never released in collections. And then other times I, you know, just kept building off it. And yeah, now like I have a huge collection of custom binds and it's some of the most random stuff. Like I just got in a a shipment today, stuff I sent off to a company months ago because it takes forever to do these things. But um two volumes of you know the 80s checkmate series a volume of cool. uh the mark shaw manhunter stuff um then uh, even though stuff was partially collected i took the jeff john superboy series right after he came back from the dead and the jeff lemire superboy series plus the intro story of the jeff lemire that was a backup in action comics, but not collected. And now it's one single Superboy of Smallville collection. I made that myself. cool. No ambush bug. Actually, <laughs> I too, I have two different, I have one ambush bug collection. That's everything until like 2005 that he was in. And then awesome. I, a year none, I just kind of threw into the back of my Keith Giffen doom patrol, uh, Wow, six issues was not enough to bind on its own. Uh, so I was like, all right, it's going to be Doom Patrol and Ambush Bug in this collection. That's pretty damn cool. Yeah. Yeah, that that is awesome. really cool. Damn. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, the other but people, I mean, some people do get upset. They're like, you just destroyed that comic book. It's worthless now. And I'm like, it's not worthless to me. I get to read That's it a, every time. Y- you bring up a really good point. I know we're, you know, 
we're mm-hmm. we're almost done here. But like <clears throat> people are always saying that, well, how much is this worth? I'm like, well, it's only worth anything if I plan on selling it, but I don't. You know, like you said, like, oh, you it's not worth anything. I'm like, well, no, it is. It's yours. It's worth yeah. everything to you. You don't plan on selling it, so what does it matter? I mean, exactly. if Reaction Comics number one, then you know we'd have problems. But you know, that might break your heart up. So I, when one of the times I visited DC's office, and I know we're going to wrap this up, but they let me hold a copy of Action Comics number one. Cool. Um, <laughs> but uh, the really funny thing with it was, uh, it technically was a destroyed copy. At some point in the seventies, in an effort to preserve it, they tore it up page by page and laminated every page. Ooh. And what the hell? Well, the, the plus side is it saved all the colors and prevented 40 years of degradation. So they have it for reference when they, you know, they want to like reprint and make sure the colors match. Oh, okay. um, but yeah, so I'm, I'm holding like this stack of action comics. Number one, it's these laminated pages. But it... <laughs> that was, that was Nicholas Cage's issue. Wasn't it? <laughs> I can see he, he was probably doing the laminating himself. I guess totally see that. <laughs> and we're back. What did I tell you? That's an interesting book, and he's an interesting person. Uh, I really enjoyed talking to him. And look, I got to blabber about Green Lantern, and I gave him the chills doing so, so he can appreciate, you know, my deep dive and my thoughts on Green Lantern. So he was a great person. And I got to mention the Bat Train. Which, when I woke up that morning, I didn't think I'd ever talk about the bad train, but I got to do it. So, thank you, Randall. We're all better for it. Yeah. And I got to listen to that episode, just like you, dear listeners, uh, for the first time. And, you know, Joe, Orrin, what an amazing job. You guys really dig into these great works and uh, writers and artists. And I just enjoy listening when I, when I can't be a part of it. So, hope you did, too as well our uh listeners of the dollar bin bandits podcast thank you for listening thank you for rating reviewing and subscribing and we will see you next week peace the dollar bin bandits are orrin phillips joe marcello and mike farrow new episodes release every wednesday and friday you can find us on all the socials at Dollar Bin Bandits on Facebook and Instagram at DB Bandits on X. For more super nerdy discourse, join the Dollar Bin Banter group on Facebook. You can email us at dollarbinbandits at gmail.com. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you found this episode. It's the easiest and most helpful way to grow the show. Looking for merch? Search us up on TeePublic. And if you want to support what we do, smash that support button on our website dollarbinbandits.buzzsprout.com Thank you to Sean McMillan for our graphics and Pat McGrath for our logo. Thank you to our friends at Tomorrow's Publishing, T-W-O-M-O-R-R-O-W-S.com And thank you all for listening. Until next time, banditos.